God's putting things together. He's putting things together. It's interesting how he does it when there's several of us that teach. Um, and just you begin to see, as you sit there and listen, like last week, part of where I'm at today is because of something Johnny said last week. You know, he asked a question. He said, uh, what are you going to do in response to what we've heard today? And some people said, I'm going to praise the Lord this week. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And the thing that hit me was, I'm going to work harder on my thinking this week. Because as I think is how I behave. And it's nothing new today. Sorry. Um, I keep saying the same thing because that's what God keeps taking me to. But I'll start with a question. Where do you want your faith to be? In a week? At the end of the semester? In a year from now? When you graduate or in four years? Where do you want your faith to be? It's interesting, we set goals in finance, we set goals with family, we set goals in our job, but we very seldom set goals in our spiritual faith. It's kind of like, just let it happen. No. No, we're responsible. We're responsible for our faith and where we're going. Um, so today I'm going to focus on a passage of scripture and hopefully I'm going to try and give you three things that will help you set, a, set goals and uh, begin to move forward in accomplishing the goals that you want, where you want your faith to be in achieving that, okay? Because unless we aggressively work for it, I don't believe it'll happen, okay? Not that God's short, God's able to do exceedingly more than we can imagine, but there's some responsibility on us Romans 12, you've heard this passage before. He says, therefore, which when you hear there or see therefore, what do you ask? What's it there for? Okay. So it's in response to um, Paul's just explained. It's called the doxology. Um, and he's just gone through this thing. Um, he says, who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Have, have you made your offering today? Have you made your offering today? Your true and proper offering. Have you offered yourselves as a living sacrifice? Did you come to worship or did you come worshiping having made your sacrifice, having submitted yourself, dying to self that he might live in you? It's your true and proper worship. And do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So what does it take to get where we're going? Johnny challenged us last, last week uh, about Scripture, about to memorizing Scripture and to putting Scripture in our life. I read a quote this week that says, Unless the Word of God illuminate the way, men, people, uh, unless he, the Word of God illuminates the way, people can't help but stray. 
If you're not putting God's word in your life, there's an incredible danger. Because the evil one will lead us. He is clever. He will trick us. And we'll get to some of that. It says, if I don't win the battle in the thought life, I don't win the battle. Folks, the battle for us in our faith and in in our spiritual life and where we want to go is right here. I've said it to us before. God continues to take me there. As I think, so I behave. As I think, so I behave. You can say, no, it's not me. Uh, Yeah, it is. As you think, so you behave. It's been in Scripture. um, That's what he says. As a man thinks, so he is. You'll never consistently uh, walk in a way that's inconsistent with the way you think. Some of us can do it for a week, a day, a month maybe, but eventually you'll come back to the way you think. We have to begin to give attention. You know, we don't give attention the way we think. We, we just let it happen. We're lazy and careless about that. And as I begin to focus, God's taken me through Paul's writings, a lot of it, he goes over and over and over back to Watch the way you think. Test the way you think. I mean, even after this passage, it says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Don't think this way, but think this way. He's over and over and over again coming back to this. So I, I just mental discipline is what I want to look at today. What does it take to be mentally disciplined? Okay, so that in my journey with the Lord, when I'm in the midst of my day, in the midst of my journey, and I'm challenged, when the evil one dials up my number um, to distract me, yeah. am I disciplined enough that it goes nowhere? That immediately I've built the guards and I've built the habits necessary to move right past it and keep moving, focused on Jesus and uh, keep being effective and productive for the kingdom of God. Um, Do you realize that it is a discipline that we are expected to have? We're expected to have the discipline of our thoughts in our life. So I, I grew up in a, a Baptist family. Sorry. Um, sorry. Yeah, yeah, for me, I'm sorry. Um, I'm recovering from being a Baptist. Um, but um, because a lot of what I was taught is wrong. I mean, I, I remember my mom and dad saying all the, all the time, um, you can't help the way you think. You can't, you, you're not responsible for your thoughts you have. Excuse me? Uh, start tearing them pages out. Um, yeah, I am. And we may not like to hear that. That may be threatening or intimidating to us, but we are responsible. Um, that challenge for discipline treads on us because we're an instant society, microwave society. 
and we want things quick and easy, and we don't want to put a lot of effort into it. Matter of fact, if I'm honest, a lot of times we're asking God to do more. And we sit and wait on God to do more. God, help me with my thinking. And we put a little effort into it. God, help me stand up to this temptation, but we put little thinking, little effort into, into what we think about. Do you memorize scripture? Hmm. Unless we're aggressive in taking control of our minds, our minds will choose the way they want to think. Our, I read this quote, it says, thoughts like water tend to run downhill. If you just leave it alone, where's it going? Okay, because a lot of the thoughts we have are repetition. We have that self-talk in our head and it's repetition of the last few days and we don't control that so it just cycles and cycles and cycles and we listen to this. You know, you may not even think you're paying attention to it, but you are and this self-talk goes on in the back of your mind and you listen to it and the evil one has put these things in there and they beat you down time and time and time again. And that's why a lot of us struggle to find and to make progress in our faith is because we're listening to the wrong thing. And it gets us thinking about the wrong thing. And we walk defeated because we're listening to those things. Our minds run to fears, exaggerated what-ifs, unbelief, doubt, depression, despair. And Paul says this, guys. We demolish arguments. 2 Corinthians 10.5 We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I'm responsible to take every thought and make it captive to the obedience of Christ. If not, and I let my mind run wild, devastating. Devastating. So what keeps us from being transformed? What keeps us from moving forward in our faith? We're surrounded and bombarded by distractions. We live in an ugly world. We live in a dirty world. And we're surrounded by distractions that compete for our focus. And if we're not in God's word, and we're not putting the right thoughts in our head, then our heads are getting filled with everything we see when we're not here, when we're not together, when we're not focused in a corporate time. If you're not in the Word through the week, man, you're dragging a weak load of garbage you've seen in here and trying to process that before you can worship and express yourself in an authentic way to God. I know. I did it for years. That's why I keep saying, you come worshiping, I drive up going, God, am I ready to worship you today? I don't want to have to come in here and get ready because then I'm behind everything. I want to come in ready. God, is there something in me that I've not done business with that you 
would put your finger on that would keep me from worshiping you today? I do that on Monday, you know. I get up. God, is there something in my life that I missed that I'm not seeing? Got to be ready. But we're surrounded by distractions. I got to tick, got tickled during prayer time this morning because we're all sitting in that room and uh, this is what was happening before we started praying. We're surrounded by distractions and some of us towed it with us. Great invention. Great invention. Um, horrible thief. If you don't handle this correctly, horrible thief, because you tote something with you that'll steal away your focus from the Lord. Same with TV. We sit and watch TV. Some, I read a, a commentary on a guy, and he says the TV is the great wasteland of our society because we sit there and pump mindless mess into our brain and then wonder why we don't think correctly. That's true. You know, I like college football. I like sports. I like those things. I've been watching the Little League uh, World Series, you know, and there's things I like. But do I spend more time focused on TV than I do feasting on the Word of God? Do I spend more time watching TV in mindless mess? Bachelorette? Love Island? Uh, Chrisley Knows Best? Well, I don't know what's else on. I don't know. I just... then I do memorizing God's word, which would carry me through each day, which would allow God to speak to me and say, hey, Mark, this is coming, and I want to prepare you for that so that when this event happens in your life, you're ready and able to step into that and embrace everything I have for you. Instead of getting to that event and going, oh, oh my gosh, and having to, after spinning out a little bit, having to pick myself back up and climb back up to where I should be and then move forward. You know what I'm saying? Make sense? I, I hit it this weekend. Thought I was ready. I wasn't. It just didn't. You know, what's a shame is we, we use this excuse, we're busy people. That's why that happens. We're busy. I don't have time to spend, I don't have time to memorize scripture. I don't have time to spend in God's way. We're busy people. No. How long does it take to carry an index card in your back pocket with a verse on it? You know, if you memorize one verse a week, at the end of the year, you got 52 verses. That'll change your life. One verse a week. Any of us can do that. One verse a week. And it keeps God's word coming into your life. And it keeps the standard, the plumb line there that we need to walk by. Um, so here's three things I'll give you today. Um, he says, do not be conformed to this world. Um, so I, let me start this way. This is the way I wrote it. God's word must be a priority. 
for you and I, God's word must be a priority. It is the written word that reveals the living word. You want to know what Jesus is like? Getting his word, reading his word. That's where he chose to reveal it to us, through his word. My mentor, one of my mentors said, you want to know Jesus like? Read the Gospels for a year. And look at how Jesus lived, how he reacted, how he dealt with things. And then just do that. Guys, we are people who... Vernon McGee, I don't know if you, he's a big theologian that's written a lot of commentaries and that kind of thing. He says the problem with the church today is one, ignorance of the Word of God. Our people don't know the Word of God. And two, they're ignorant of the voice of God. Guys, if, if the evil one keeps us at that place where we don't know the voice of God and we're not involved in pouring the Word of God in our life, we're crippled as a church. We're crippled as a body of Christ. We are, and J. Vernon McGee says, we're weaklings in the key, for the kingdom. Is that what you want to be, is a weakling? I don't. We're just saying, God, I want more. I want more of you. But are you willing to discipline yourself to go get it? Or are you asking God to just to do something else? God, please do something else. And not being responsible with what he's asked and what he's entrusted to you. What he's entrusted to you to get there. So God's word must be a priority. Um, Yeah, quote said, instead of feasting on the word of God... We're happy with just getting snacks. I must input the correct thing, and I must guard against the wrong things. The battle is this. The battle that happens is the evil one comes and whispers a lie in my mind or to me through something that happens. That's just how he does things. He's the accuser. He, he has all these ways he attacks, but he whispers these lies to me, and if I'm not in God's word, then... I begin to spin that lie around in my head. And if it's not challenged and identified as a lie and then matched with the truth of God's word, then I'll pick it up and keep rolling with it. So what I have to do is I have to say, that's a lie. That's a lie. And God, here's what your word says about that. And so I identify it with the truth and then I keep spinning that truth around in my head. And life begins to change. He may come again, and I'm like, it's a lie. <laughs> lie, mm-mm, ain't going there. Spin it back to the truth. Move forward. But God's not going to violate my will. And if I don't make a decision in my will, in my heart, to be a person of his word, he ain't going to wrestle me down and make me go to my desk 
hogtie me and make me go to my desk, head down and read, he will not do it. We have to make a decision in our will to respond to what he's asked us. Or it ain't going to happen. Just trying to be honest with myself, with you. Second thing is mental discipline takes, and so we have to, God's word has to be a priority. I have to make a decision in my heart, in my will, to make God's word a priority and invest in it every day. I've told you I have this little disease that I have, and for the longest time, I, I wake up every morning around 3 o'clock, and I used to wrestle with that, lay there, can't go back to sleep, so I just lay there, stare at this black ceiling, you know, um, try and go back to sleep. Never could. So finally, it just felt like the Lord said, embrace it. So now at 3 o'clock, there's nothing happening. So I get up, go to my office, spend my time in the Word. And when I'm done, if I have time, I can go back and take a nap before it's time to get up and roll. Or if it's, I don't have time, then we just roll on. Okay? But I've embraced that time, and it's become something I'm thankful for. And if, if, guys, if that's, I'll be thankful to the Lord for the disease I have just because where it's put me in the word. Seth, I'll tell you, I haven't missed, and this is not to my glory or anything, but I'm trying my best to be consistent and I want all of God I can get. And I'm trying my best to be consistent with the Lord and submitting myself to the word every day. And I've probably only missed three days, maybe three or four days. I know in the last three years. I don't want to miss. I don't want to miss. At three o'clock, usually I don't have an alarm that's set. I just wake up. This morning, 302 is right there. I wake up and it's like, oh, Okay. I get to go in there and sit in my office and just talk to the Lord and listen, read the word, and I don't want to miss. I don't want to miss. God's word has to be a priority for us, even if it hurts. And some mornings it does, okay? Some mornings I'm still tired, you know? Seth and I'll stay up talking to 12 or 1 some nights, and at 3 o'clock I'm like, oh, goodness, I got to go, got to go in there. But I'm tired, you know. Still got to go, okay? So the second thing is mental discipline takes effort. We have to put effort into our thinking. How we think will always determine how we live. And Paul says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. I have to put effort into not being conformed. If not, the world will sweep me away. If I'm not putting effort into that, um, because of the world I live in, it'll just sweep me away. Um, I left my note back there. The conformity, okay? It means being... It's when people look at our life and the way we live and they say, They're just like the world. 
Some of us don't want to put away the things of the world because we don't want to be different. So we go as close to those things as we feel like the Lord allows to be, you know, and, and play in those kind of things because we don't want to be seen as different. We want to be accepted by people. We want to be liked by people. In the arenas we walk in, we don't want to be seen as different, weird, goofy. And so, in a sense, we play with the things of the world and up to the things of the world because we don't want to be different. And yet God says to us, be set apart like I'm set apart. He wants us to be different. He wants us to be different. Don't be conformed. Don't live a life where people look at your life and go, oh, just like the world. I don't see the difference. Hmm. I got to make this confession. <laughs> um, we were flipping through the TV, and I caught this girl on TV saying, I'm a person of faith. And so I stopped. Miss Alabama, the bachelorette, she says, I'm a person of faith. And they were talking about a contestant on the show once we stopped, and talking about a contestant on the show who said he was a man of faith. And my first question was, well, what are you doing on that show? It's a horrible show. But as we began to listen to what was going on, because I, I Miss Alabama, I was like, person of faith, cool. And then she talks about how she had had relations with one of the contestants in a windmill, but yet Jesus still loves her. And he was talking about his faith, yet he was a horrible person. And I'm going, oh, no. I said, I can't, I said Seth, give me the address. Find out wherever I can write these people. because I was, I was livid. Because here are people on, a, on TV going, I'm a person of faith. And yet, sleeping with all these people, you know, I think, I don't know how many people she eventually slept with on the show, but she's a person of faith. And people even made T-shirts in that show that she had had intercourse with this guy. Sorry, young people, but... Um, she had had relations with this guy in, in a windmill, and they put a windmill on the T-shirt, and underneath it said, Jesus still loves me. I was livid. That's a young lady. Somebody needs to explain what faith is to her. I was going, but that's so often because we don't control what we think. We don't control what we do. We don't give attention to those things. We find ourselves in situations that compromise us and we look just like the world. And that's what Paul's saying. Don't be conformed. Don't live in a way to where people classify you as living just like the world. Be different. He says, be transformed. That word is metamorphosis. It means huge outward change that reflects his presence in your life. So my outward life becomes a reflection of 
who he is in me. Growing all the time. Say, be transformed. Why or how? By the renewing of your mind. Well, how do you do that, Mark? I was a young believer, and I read that verse many times. Nobody told me how to be renew my mind, but it flips me back to Philippians 4, 8, where Paul says, um, whatever is, let me go over there, whatever is true, whatever is just, got to remind myself of all these. See, first remember, I need to go back to my memorization, don't I? Yep, yep. I challenge you, too, to go back and look at those words if you, if you have access to TM or Greek concordances and those kind of things. Go back and look at those words. Okay? Because they do um, paint an amazing picture. This passage, this little passage right here has been also termed as the briefest bi uh, biography of Jesus. Because in a sense, that's what it's pointing to. What, what, who is true? Who is noble? Who is right? Who is pure? Who is lovely? Who is admirable? Is there, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Think on Jesus. Guys, get in God's word. Learn who he is and think on him all day. Rehearse it, spin it over and over in your mind. Put the truths of who he is in your mind every day. It changes our life. He says, think on these things. That's not just giving a mental assent going, oh yeah, okay. That's true, that's not true. Thinking on these things means that we um, we put effort into concentrating on those things all day long. I was watching Little League yesterday, and yesterday was championship day. And so everybody's trying to get a berth to the Little League World Series. And I just kept listening to these coaches and these coaches all day long as they would talk to their team, they would go out and they didn't tell them how to catch a ball, didn't tell them how to bat better, you know. They said one thing. Almost every time he went, they went out, they said one thing. You believe you're a winner? Do you believe we can win? He was doing all, they were doing all they could to keep these guys from getting down on themselves and keeping a proper focus of the goal that they had set for them. And that was to win that game and move on to the World Series. And that's what he went after. Do you believe you can do it? In, so often that's what God's encouraging us to do. Do you believe who I made you? Do you believe what I've done? Do you understand what I've done? Do you realize that in the book of Ephesians alone, 41 times, 
He tells us who we are in Christ. Do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know who he's made you to be? Because if you know that and you rehearse that and spin that in your head all the time, you'll begin to live like that. But guys, it doesn't just happen. He won't violate our will. He's not going to force it on us. I have to make a choice in my heart to put effort into the way I think. He says, in view of God's mercy, have you gotten a fresh glimpse of God's mercy today? Have you been reminded of God's mercy that was lavished on you today? We sang about God's love this morning, and if nothing else, that's enough for me to worship. Because I remember what it was like to be lost. Nobody's ever loved me like Jesus did, does, did, does, and continues to do. Are you worshiping him daily in and through his word? Are you guarding against conforming to the patterns of the world? Hey, guys, I know it's hard at Mississippi State. Bombarded class after class, system after system, to with the things of the world. And they talk about the, the thinking the way that the world thinks, you know. I know it's hard. But I was a young believer at Mississippi State. I didn't know much. I knew I wanted all the God I could get. And my son came to Mississippi State, what, 20 years after I was there? And walked in the registrar's office, and the girl says, is your dad Mark? <laughs> he said, yep. She said, I know your dad. He talked to me about the Lord several times. I didn't know what I was doing. I just know I wanted all God I could get. And I went as hard after Mississippi State, out of Mississippi State as I could because I knew that what I found, I want other people to find. Yeah. I ain't saying you have to be a biblical scholar to get this done. I'm saying you have to just invest yourself in God's Word and say every day before you read, Holy Spirit, would you teach me from your Word today? And watch what He does. Holy Spirit doesn't like that. So often we get in God's word and, you know, I think it's important to ask the Holy Spirit to teach us. He wants to do that, but we need to submit to what he's saying. Um, contemplate on Jesus every moment you can. He is true, honorable, just, agreeable, or that word also means lovely. It's his renown that we want. My life verses. Isaiah 26, 8, that says, yes, Lord. Yes. You got my answer? Yes, Lord. Walking in the light of truth, walking in the light of your word, we wait for you. For your name and your renown, your reputation is the desire of our hearts. Are you living for his renown, his reputation? Are you living out what Christ has done in your life this morning? Do you know what he's done in your life? Are you running on new revelation? Or are you running on 
old things that you heard a long time ago or that you heard through somebody else or has God spoken to you specifically? Some of us need to learn to hear God's word, God's voice in our life, and it's a cultivated thing. I remember teaching my boys, how do I know if that's God or me? And it's a cultivated thing. We have to walk and we have to learn to hear his voice. Okay? It's not like, I've said this before, if I can play a tape and not say that's God's voice, I'd do it. Because it's so important for us to understand and hear God's voice. Henry Blackaby says, if you struggle with identifying God's voice in your life, you'll struggle with the very heart of your Christian faith. If you struggle there today, go solve the problem. Find somebody that can help you. Ask God to help you. Find the resources to help you. Don't keep struggling. If you find this morning that there are things that have crept in your life, worldly things that have crept in your life, Solve the problem this morning. Turn and run back to Jesus. Don't walk out still struggling. How much sense does that make? So you can come back next week and struggle through worship, processing everything, and then get to the point at the end of the service where God's inviting you to do something else, and you leave to keep struggling. That's not what he wants. Take these things into account. Be accountable. When he says, um, think on these things, that word, as I look through and begin trying, just my own understanding was be accountable for these things. Be accountable to think these this way. Okay. I have to be accountable. I am accountable. I am responsible. What more must I ask Jesus to do or God to do? He's given everything. And I'm ashamed at times because I keep running back going, God, do something else. Do something else. And I'm not embraced all he's done yet. And God's taken me back to learn and embrace what he's done, who he's made me to be, and begin to live that out. Guys, I had a hard weekend. Three years ago today, my wife left. I thought I was ready for this weekend. I wasn't. Even one dialed up my number. And when it hit me, I, wasn't, I didn't do the best with it. Got up, got in the word. The Lord began to say, oh, before we teach this, why don't we apply this and begin to work on your thinking? Those are great times. So I, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you, you know. I'm learning. But it's my responsibility. He wasn't going to go, Grab me by the top of my head and shake me and go, stop thinking that way. It's my responsibility. My, I'm accountable to think the way that God's equipped me and made me, giving me the ability to think so that I can experience and embrace all that God has for me.
day in, day out. Thoughts of the heart are printed on the actions of our life. Okay? What adjustments does God need to make in your life today for you to experience, for you to not be conformed to the ways of the world, but to find a metamorphosis, to find a change in your life that you might live out his presence in your life.